I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. and culture vultures and welcome to Book Off, a literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo and it's my pleasure to welcome two gentlemen who never fail to make myself and many others laugh with their unique wit and charm. My first guest is an award-winning comedian, former junior doctor and now best-selling author whose book This Is Going To Hurt has been in the top five of the UK book charts for over five months. It's Adam Kay. Hello. Hello, how are you? Very well and lovely to see you in this resplendent shirt that you have. I'm, I'm Thank admiring you very much. From afar. Oh, we could describe it as anything because it's audio. You can say what you yeah. want. This cost a million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and my second guest sat with a million pound jacket on is a poet, <laughs> punk, social commentator, rock star and all-round entertainer who's just released his first collection of poetry in 30 years. Tell me it isn't so, John Cooper. It is so, yeah, yeah. I neglected the publishing side of things in favour of personal appearances, I'm afraid. (laughs) Well, it's true to say we certainly haven't missed seeing you over the last 30 years because you have been everywhere on tour and on TV shows, etc. Yeah, I've always worked since I, ever since I determined to become a professional poet, I've always, that's all I've ever done. I've never had to get a paper round, put it that way. <laughs> oh, you you missed out. Yeah, I bet. I, I did a paper round for did a while. Did you? I, yeah. I once did a, a friend's paper round back in uh, my school days when he went on holiday, and I never realised how heavy paper could get. <laughs> I figured I'll do it on the bike. No way, man. Well, it puts you all lopsided oh, on the bike, pulls, doesn't it? It pulls you right off it. Yeah. Now, did you do the weekend papers? Maybe that's why they oh, were that extra was heavy. Obviously, well, actually, they were thicker, but it was pre-Sunday supplements. Ah, so it wasn't as bad as it probably is now. Do you even get paper boys anymore? I I think they still exist. Do they? Yeah, paper I mean, people, people still exist. Really I think. Read a lot of papers. Not like it was. Paper no. boys and milkmen. No, you ever no get them anymore? I'm not usually up at that hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think milkmen do exist still. They were ahead of the game. They were the first electric vehicle <laughs> yeah, pioneers. Elon Musk oh, woke up one morning, saw that jangling down his <laughs> cul-de-sac, and was like, I know what I'm doing. That's it. The noisiest thing about that vehicle was the rattle of the glass bottles in their crates, wasn't it? That's you it. know what I mean? Take them off. 
I mean, on the way on the way home, they were completely silent. You've got a Prius, basically. But yeah. they were thinking about the planet way ahead of everybody. At some indeterminate point, they started selling eggs and yogurt as well. Orange juice. They always they orange, had that no, sort they of fresh orange juice. The bad orange juice. They're awful. They waved an orange it, once what, past some acid or something. It was ghastly, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't like fruit juice at the best of times, but, you know, that it's was... It's bad for uh, you. Nasty. Any doctor will tell you that. <laughs> It's what? Bad, bad for, you. for you, yeah. I yeah. knew that. Too many vitamins. As a doctor, I knew yeah, that. Yeah, of course. I mean, a tumbler of apple juice. You wouldn't eat that many apples in five years to get that amount of juice out of an apple. It's true. I mean, get an apple, squeeze it. Are you getting any juice out of it? No. No, it takes an, indust- an industrial process to even get that juice out of it in the first place. So it would never happen in nature that you would ingest that amount of apple juice. They'll come round to our way of thinking, Doc. <laughs> yeah, and they'll say maximum one a day. That's right. So you've got, you've got, you've got two doctors here telling you not to drink fruit juice, right? <laughs> if you do have any medical, medical issues, we're both, I mean, entirely underqualified, <laughs> but enthusiastic to help. Well, it's completely out of the loop, but I'm still, you know... Uh, still practising. I'm, I'm a practising... Uh, Man of letters. Uh, what's... <laughs> hypochondriac. <laughs> Physician, heal thyself has always been my motto. Well, you've got Google yeah. now. You don't need to... You can be a cyberchondriac. You can. You probably don't have Google. You've probably just got the Encyclopedia Britannica. There's a reason why I'm a hypochondriac, actually. Uh, I'm always... Always ill. <laughs> John, if I could ask you about this amazing collection and how it must, how does it feel to be publishing again after thirty years? Have these poems been around for a while? Actually, it's. Uh, I've got a lot more than this, but uh, this is uh, the stuff I've been. I've written in the last seven, eight years. So it's the most sort of modern stuff in it. I think I even mention a mobile phone at some point <laughs> in one of them. <laughs> you are, gosh, you are Actually, on trend, no, aren't you? No, I did. I brought it up today. It was, it was, it's in it. It's called uh, She's Got a Metal Plate in Her Head. And uh, I, dis- I rediscovered it about two years ago. And I figured this, is, this would run today, you know, what with, uh, you know, sick humour never dies. And uh, so I, I, I was looking through. She's got a metal plate in her head, and I thought this would run. This would run with today's crowd, with a, a little judicious modernising here and there. You don't you have know. a mobile phone, sure. No, I, I don't. can't imagine no. you with the mobile. No, no. Okay, good. No, I'm, I think it's changed the way people live, and it? It, to the extent that uh, you know you used to make arrangements, and that was it. Yeah. But they keep getting micromanaged, you know, people get stuck in traffic and they change the venue of the rendezvous, you know, because they can. Or, or a cancellation. You know, but yeah, it's much yeah, easier to do now, isn't it? Somebody didn't believe me the other day when I said that, you know, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was on tour with uh, a few uh, uh, punk rock uh, groups back in the seventies, and uh, you, you could, you, you used to do like a twenty-eight, you, twenty-eight day UK tour, and you'd have to hit that point at the right spot. And they couldn't understand how it could be done without a mobile phone. <laughs> how you would have to park the car near a phone booth. And then you'd have to ask everybody if they had any change, <laughs> you know. And somehow, you know, uh, the logistics uh, were just as good. 
And you had to remember everyone's numbers or at least have them written down, didn't That's you? That's it. the other thing. That's it. Yeah. I can still remember my my childhood phone number. So can I. You can remember my childhood phone number. Yes. That's, that's weird. I don't like that. Sure. <laughs> oh, one. <laughs> and, and friends, I think, as well. I used I remember a couple of best friends' home telephone numbers from that time because they were the one you just always dial those. Should and, we phone one now? See, get, see who answers? We could do. You've, just, we? Remi- you've just reminded me of a, gr- a great piece uh, a couple of years ago in the mail, actually, by... Uh, Craig Brown, you know that guy, <laughs> columnist in the Daily Mail and other places, very funny man. But he did this thing, it was it was a sales pitch, selling uh, home phones, you know. At last you don't have to carry your phone around. <laughs> you can leave it in the house and uh, there's a thing called an answer phone, you know. At last, it kind of uh, it sorts up the advantages of the house. Phone, of the, of the landline. Yeah. We recently moved house and we were deciding whether or not to actually unpack and install the landline uh-huh. and then I realised that we had to because it's what I use when I can't find my mobile phone to phone, uh, to exactly. phone my mobile phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how we find my wife and daughter's mobile phones all the time yeah. that's the, that, the only purpose uh, for a landline now of course pretty much Adam we, we're talking about this is going to hurt obviously your astronomically successful book it, it just seems to grow and grow this book and I wondered if you ever imagined when you'd written it that it would resonate so much with with this audience Absolutely, I think there would have to be quite an ego on me to uh, <laughs> to imagine it would do what it's subsequently done at the time. Um, but it's definitely struck a chord. It's just, I think, it's just taught me how much we rightly love the NHS as an institution, as our probably greatest success as a as a civilized society. And um, yeah, there's a lot of love for it, and there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of interest in peeping under the hood of medicine. We're all interested. That's why there's loads on telly, mm. loads of medicine. There's loads of crime. There's loads of sex because those are things that sort of dial into our our brain stems. The book, I guess, is a confidence trick. It's sold as a as a funny book, but ultimately, it's it's hopefully saying something slightly more interesting. And from taking it out on the road, because you've you've done it as a sort of stage. Show and you're going to be in the Hammersmith, Hammersmith Apollo. I think you're doing a date. I am on the what, 18th? 18th of November. Yeah, well, that which is nothing. Well, it's not to say anyone's going to be there. So <laughs> could just matter. be a massive exercise in hubris. <laughs> Your name will still be in the. You know, yeah, I'm on, still on, totally taking a photo of my, my name on the front. But how is how is it sort of reacted with live audiences? Because I suppose when you send a book out there, yes, we have social media and things now where you get a reaction. But actually, being in front of an audience and finding out what they think about it yeah i mean with uh, it forces them to listen to it doesn't it because what's what it doesn't say on the sunday times list is how many people have read it it, it could be like the brief history of time which sold 35 billion copies <laughs> and being read twice um but at least <laughs> if i've if i've forced them all to be in the same room as me and i'm reading out loud into a microphone then they have to hear what i've got to say and it's the same confidence trick i sort of start off funny and then it goes a bit sadder and yeah it's been it's it's been an extraordinary time. There's um, lots of lots of tears, a couple of medical emergencies, uh, one vomiting, and two people who came up to me afterwards at the book signing to say that I deliver their babies. 
and the stories <laughs> seem to check out. So. Wow! Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Those bring, are my headlines. Yes, bring, <laughs> bringing the, the earlier career to the, to the latter. John, you're, you you tour as you've mentioned already. You toured in, in the seventies, and you've been touring with poetry in your own shows. Um, yeah. How do you find it out on the road? Oh, terrific! I mean, it's it's uh, it's very uh, it's, it's it's my working environment has been all my uh, my uh, professional career. Yeah, really. Yeah, fabulous. I got a drive. I got I go out with two other poets, uh, Luke Wright, for instance. Mm. Uh, he was with you quite recently. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah Fer- Claire Ferguson Walker, uh, ma- uh, and mainly uh, Tori Agar Buss and Mike Gary. So it's a it's a whole uh, entirely poetical show. You know, no uh, side uh, side action, just poetry all the way. And uh, we're doing large selling out large halls. Uh, everybody goes out of there out of there with a smile on their face. Nobody asked for the money back so far. <laughs> <to avoid. laughs> we're doing the London Palladium uh, later on in the month. Nice. I think the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth of November. November. Yeah. That'd be a, so, that'd be a great night. Gold standard for me. I mean, anybody of my age, you know, the London Palladium is the gold standard. Yeah. Of course, because it was being built when you were a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I was talking to, on this very podcast, in fact, John, um, the poet Murray Lachlan Young, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who said to say hello. Yeah, and nice um, Hello, hello, Murray. And he was saying that he thinks poetry, especially in the UK, is in a really good place at the moment. Would you, would you agree with that? There's lots of people at it. I mean, uh, there was no uh, real scene for it. Uh, you've got me to thank for that. Me and Linton Quasi Johnson, I think, are responsible <laughs> for, th- the, for this... So, yeah. uh, this uh, uh, steadily building interest in uh, <laughs> modern poetry. We thank you for I blame it, us. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you not been Poet Laureate? When's that well, coming up next? The, uh, it's uh, actually Caroline's uh, quits the job, doesn't she? Very yeah. soon. Yeah. Duffy, yeah. Who do we have to email? Uh, I reckon. Uh, Queen? Uh, uh, are we putting bets on? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Bagger Sands says it's uh, Simon Armitage. I think, I think we could start the campaign right now. Yep. You you I'm in. You I'm in. I'm, I'm well, going two, on the record. You got two signatures, John. I think I'd do better than uh, a lot of them because uh, take this one. Here's an instance where I might do a good job. Actually, I think it should go to Pam Ayers. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. she'd really like to do the job. I think. I think yeah. she's an old school girl. She's been in the RAF. You know, I think she would do a, a real good job. Because let's face it, the brief is you've got to talk up all the royal set pieces, the weddings, the yeah. funeral, you know, God forbid the funerals. But here's an instance where I came up with the goods. I was in France, my wife's French. We were out there with uh, with uh, her family. And uh, it was a while back because uh, we were walking past a newsstand. There was a, uh, there was a, an issue of uh, Paris Match, Paris Match, you know, the news magazine there. And there was a picture of, uh, I knew she'd been off colour. There was a picture of the late uh, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother on the cover there. And it had a black board around it. So I thought, oh, she's, <laughs> she's gone, you know, mm. uh, Queen Mother or less. And uh, what was she, 102 or something? Something like that, She yeah. went to a good yeah. age, didn't she? Uh, but I says, I bet she's dead. So I picked up, so she, the missus like, she's like, yeah, yeah, she died. So I come up with the goods. I come up with a with a short piece to commemorate the death of the Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Right on the spot, ask her. She's downstairs. I mean, ask her how long it took. Two seconds. I come up with this one. I thought, 
get to the heart of her appeal because Queen Mother was very popular in the East End of London on account of she could have gone to Balmoral or something for the duration, but she stayed around, didn't she, making tea for the Blitz victims in the East End of London, and so she's she she she, she, occup, she occupies a warm place in the heart of every Cockney. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For a, for that very good reason. So I come up with this one. Right. A four liner. Lines upon the death of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. I can't remember the year. She stuck it out throughout the Blitz when lesser mortals got the shivers. <laughs> that's lovely. What do you think? No, love I think, it. I think that's a good, it's a good, like it's a good pitch for the good job. Pitch. You know, like if you're in the obituary section of a newspaper, yeah. you'll have one ready in the wings oh, for anyone over a certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're the poet laureate, do you think you've got a? You know, you've got a. You'd know what rhymes what? with Philip already, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to have uh, a yeah, you rhyming... Yeah, you want You want to be able to send that straight off by yeah, return yeah, yeah. of email. Philip, Philip, you've got me there. <laughs> God forbid. Anyway, I'll miss him when he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think he looks... If you've seen him recently, he looks like he's been gone for about 15 years. <laughs> sort of weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Here's where the medical profession... <laughs> well, yes, exactly. A medical eye cast over those family portraits, Adam. And this is the diagnosis. <laughs> he looked great last time I see him. He come to Essex about uh, ten years ago. Him and the missus. I took my little daughter to see him there. He looked great. He just doesn't photo well. That's all it is. He's been. A, he, he was a very handsome man in his days. <laughs> he was quite the swashbuckler. Yeah. Not and my type. No. <laughs> a bit tall. We look weird together. A bit tall and 70 years older than me. Everyone would stare. Here, I knew what I wanted to ask you, actually, kid. Were you ever uh, interested in uh, the books of Richard Gordon? I don't Doctor know. in the House. They made movies out oh, of them yeah, with yeah, Dirk yeah, Bogard yeah. and mm. uh, Donald Sendon and James Robertson Justice. Do you remember that. those books? I was mad about them as a kid. I used to get them out of the library. I think that's what got me on the road to the medical career, Adam. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If I'm honest, yeah. <laughs> he painted a pretty glamorous picture there, you know, Harley Street. Yeah, no, he may have Bogart. oversold it. Or Pardon? Maybe, he might have oversold it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> So they you... were good. They were good. They were pretty fun. Again, they were like, you know, a bit of light and shade, a bit yeah. of serious. But... but, you know, he had a, had a Rolls Royce, didn't he? That, yeah, that's uh, him. And there's not a lot of, you know, no if you're looking at <laughs> NHS car park. The days, park, of, the, days of the, uh, the days of the roller. No, the, the winged lady the is not much in doctor. representation. <laughs> the days of the gentleman physician died long ago, my friend. Not many Bentleys in the uh, hospital car park. No, I did the, I did the maths on my, I had, I had my old rotors and I... Uh, I divided up my weekly pay by my number of hours, and I realised I was getting less than the the parking meter outside. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what was it that that drew you into a medical career then, Adam? At the, at the first instance, I was sort of uh, a failure to think about what it involved. I think predominantly, I was from mm. a medical family. Everyone was a doctor. It's like the default setting for my life, unless I came up with a better plan, which I I didn't. Because you make the decision to be a doctor when you're when you're a teenager, yeah. when you're choosing your A-levels that the medical schools want. And uh, being, you know, making decisions as a teenager is a, it's, you know, very bad, whatever they are, let alone determining your entire career. So uh, I just, made, a, I just uh, made the wrong decision, I think. 
it's either oh. it's either you like Holby City and things, or there's doctors in the family. There's the main, t- and actually liking Holby City is probably a, a stronger reason to go into the profession. It's some degree of insight. <laughs> Not doctors. Oh no, no, it's a very no, romantic like uh, uh, profession, though, isn't it? I mean, when you look at the successful uh, TV series of Ben Casey, Doctor Kildare, more recently yeah. Quincy. I mean, it's not that Jack recently. That's, no, it's not very that much more recently. More recent yes. than Doctor <laughs> Kildare, but. Um, but uh, these days they really research like when I you know when it's a bit of a busman's holiday if I watch medicine on telly all the medicine is spot on what they never get right is all these sort of intricate love triangles how have they got the time yeah, yeah, after yeah. after after work to do all of that I'd be exhausted and have a nap 95 hour week and then you know finding time to go out on dates to the local pub etc. yeah god I, I wish I had the you know the time and energy to have an affair yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> you, did you ever used to read that column in The Spectator by Theodore Dalrymple, If Symptoms Persist? I did not. You didn't read that? I think he writes for the oldie now. <laughs> The oldie. He's a retu- the oldie. Yeah. Oh, you know, that yeah. magazine, The Oldie. Hmm. He's a very sclerotic, rather jaundiced uh, denizen of the NHS. He's a good deal less uh, charitable than yourself about it, Adam, <laughs> but I guess that age will do that to a man. Yeah, age tends you know, to sort he's, of he's swing you to the right on, wing. On you. But uh, <laughs> he's very, very funny. Uh, I guess you would say a mordant... Uh, wit, you know, a jaundiced focus on the medical world, you know. But very funny all the same. His arch enemies seem to be epidemiologists. He's got a real downer on 
epidemiologist. I think if you went into epidemiology, you'd assume you wouldn't end up with a nemesis. I think it's a fairly safe, <laughs> safe yeah, profession. Safe everybody and say, keep up the good work, Junior. <laughs> Not him. <laughs> Not Dr. Dalrymple. He's having none of it. You've both come armed with a book that you're going to pitch yeah. to us, a book that you both oh, love yeah, and right. you, you think you should read. You're going for your own book. I, I mean, that's a help. big shout. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know modesty forbid. It's been 30 <laughs> years, Adam. Buy, he can do what he wants. You're only going to buy one book this year. <laughs> book early. Get it now, ladies now, and gentlemen. Now, now. Yeah, before we run out of trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, also available on uh, audio. Did, did you, you do it? All formats. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm doing the audio. Very good. So there you've got an album. Could there. be anyone else. Have you really? done it yet? Yeah. Record. It's a, such a faff, isn't it? They really want you to get every word right. That's it. I was just like, this is going to be fine. I was a man in my ear constantly saying, can we have that again, please? And another That's option it. on that. Well, and again and again. It's only natural quality control, they call it, Adam. Oh. <laughs> oh, I had none of that in medicine. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. Are you not allowed to uh, skip any of your own words, then? Well, that's the thing. It turns out I was very bad at saying the words pres- I can't say prescription, prescri- um, which appeared quite a lot in a written down book yeah, about yeah, being yeah, that would crop a doctor. Up a few times, so um, I was just I, I decided I could just paraphrase. I wasn't reading out Chaucer or anything. No one was going to complain, so I just sort of muddled my sentences so I could uh, <laughs> so I wrote a script for that patient. Did you talk like you're right? Uh, I think it's the the audio equivalent of the of the doctor's illegible procedure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I tried to. He made me re- keep repeating I'll that. Mumble and yeah, gamble. exactly. 9th of January 2005. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so these two books are ones that you think that everyone should should read, and the idea oh. being for the book off that you have three minutes each. You don't right. have to use all three. Uh, to tell us about it, to pitch it and say why you think we should take it home. And uh, at the end of your three minutes, if you're still going over, uh, I have got some tools here that will signal the end of those three minutes. So, um, John, would you like to be wrung out or would you like to be honked out of your Uh, time? (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, the the honk. The honk. You quite like yeah. the honk, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. That's for you. Uh, which means, Adam, that's going to be your I'm single. On the ding. Okay, yeah. then, and yeah. Adam, would you like to go first or second? Oh, I'll go second. And so I know. Well, so I know how good to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely <laughs> winging it. <laughs> Wing it. Winging it's the best I, I, way. John. I, I, I was going to have uh, Twelve Rules for Life by uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, but uh, that's a very serious uh, piece of work and. Uh, this one's a bit well. It's it's very it's called La Dolce Vita Confidential by Sean Levy, and he did a, also he's done a number of books with the word confidential uh, after uh, the, another great one being the Rat Pack Confidential, which came out just after the death of the late Frank Sinatra. So uh, he, he's got a fabulous knack of. Uh, Adopting the speech patterns of whatever period is uh, is under is under uh, his uh, radar is is on his radar. He's like a, a chameleon in that regard. But it's always it's always his voice. He's got a real real handle on it. But anyway, uh, Dolce Vita Confidential uh, is about uh, post-war Italy and uh, mainly, uh, especially Rome and the uh, Cinecita film studios built by the uh, previously discredited Benito Mussolini. 
But given that they had this state-of-the-art studios uh, complex, which was the equal of Paramount, Fox, Warner Brothers, you know, but in Italy, they made a lot of uh, inexpensive films there. And it's no accident that uh, biblical epics became very popular around uh, the t- about 1952. Quo Vardis was the first one. And there was a whole slew of them after that. Biblically, Ben-Hur, they were all shot at Chinachita. They had these, uh, you know, that uh, chariot track was already in place, uh, all built by Mussolini. And... Uh, it explains how broke everybody was in Italy uh, straight after the war. and uh, But they had this beautiful state-of-the-art uh, studios and, uh, and a limitless uh, pool of uh, unpaid extras. That was the thing. They would work for two meals a day, you know, and uh, and all found. At the time, there were you would find bed linen and socks in the pawn shops of Rome. That's how broke they were. And uh, so you had mothers thrusting their children at these film producers, you know, please take my Giovanni, and uh, as long as he's getting two meals a day. Anyway, I'm, I've gone on too much about this, but it's about the Via Veneto and the rise of the paparazzi, the careers of Vittorio De Sica, Roberto Rossellini, and all of those, Pasolini, all those people, and the paparazzi. Because all these Hollywood actors were away from home. Oh, bloody hell. Bloody hell. <laughs> that was, I, I was engrossed there. John. Was you? Yeah, that was fantastic. Dolce Vita Confidential by Sean Levy. There it is. Right, that's. Uh, that's Featuring the, first... the rise of the Fontana Sisters, OC. The what? The Fontana, the Fontana sisters? sisters? Yeah, yeah. You're uh, an extra bespoke, time now. Bespoke yeah. <laughs> Couturius. Sorry, I'm encouraging uh, it as well. I'm sorry, encouraging sorry it. about this. <laughs> this right, is a ex- sham, this excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I'm phoning the ombudsman. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you haven't read the small print, yeah. Adam. What a windbag. Um, <laughs> excellent pitch there, John. Adam, how are you feeling after that? You you ready for your three minutes? I mean, I'm prepared to vote for John. I don't know if I have a vote. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't get a say. Really. Oh, right. okay. um, but your, your three minutes is on the clock, and I believe you're uh, going to pitch to us a David Sedaris book. I am. Okay, over to you. Uh, over to David Sedaris with Holidays on Ice, uh, bringing a bit of Christmas uh, flair. Um, so one of the main things to recommend uh, this book Uh, other than the fact it's written by David Sedaris, is that it's nice and short. And I'm always pleased when I get a book and it's nice and short, or the font's big and things like that, because, you know. Uh, David Sedaris, I think, uh, has a a good say for being one of the funniest men alive. Um, I adore his writing. I think he's the the best diarist that uh, we've produced as a globe, to the extent that when I was putting my own diarist together, I didn't read any of his books during the process, just in case I inadvertently became a sort of shit David Sedaris tribute act. Um, (laughs) Holidays on Ice is a selection of his essays and stories of a seasonal nature. And the longest and um, uh, lion's share part of this, uh, his Santa Land diaries from a period of time where he worked as an elf at, uh, at Macy's. And it's uh, it's just an extraordinary tale of a horrible holiday spelt uh, spent as as an elf, and it's they they drug tested um, 
all the all the elves, and it, so it starts with sort of his his audition. He says, I, "I'm certain that I failed my drug test. My urine had roaches and stems floating in it, but they still hired me because I'm short." Um, and it's just it's a wonderful story of all the terrible, horrible things that happened during his time. There was a a child sat on Santa's lap. Um, and Santa said, what do you want for Christmas? He said, I want to recover from chicken pox. And Santa leapt up. There's the, the story of parents insisting that their children relieve themselves underneath artificial trees onto artificial snow. There's, uh, there's a... T- <laughs> oh, here's one. I'm just, I'm just using my time reading out David Sedaris because I know he's good. <laughs> The woman grabbed my arm and said, You there, elf, tell Riley here if he doesn't start behaving immediately, then Santa's going to change his mind and bring him coal for Christmas. I said that Santa no longer deals in coal. Instead, if you're bad, he comes to your house and steals things. I told Riley if he didn't behave himself, Santa was going to take away his TV and his electrical appliances, <laughs> electrical appliances and leave him in the dark. All your appliances, including the refrigerator, your food's going to spoil and smell bad. It's going to be so dark. Man, Riley, you're going to suffer. The woman got a worried look on her face and said, All right, that's enough. So anyway, but that's it. But there's and it's full of full of seasonal seasonal stories, and uh, it's one of my Christmas rituals. Lots of people like to get drunk and argue with their family. One thing I make sure I do every Christmas for the last decade is read David Starr's Holidays on Ice. Wow! Ah, oh, fantastic! Brought it in just in time there. <laughs> Um, wow, both fabulous pictures and fabulous sounding books. I've read neither of the ones that you've been talking about. I'm so intrigued, John, by the, the history there in that book, in the Dolce Vita Confidential, Confidential. because there's there's obviously so much to learn from it and so many stories going on there. Yeah, there sure is. <laughs> I mean, there's one, there's one. Can I just get this one in? There's a, there's a great one. There's, uh, I can't remember his shamefully. I wish I had the book with me. The guy that invented paparazzi. It was like a, the gr- best investment he ever did was that he bought a camera, and he was and he w- he would photograph all these uh, out at these Hollywood actors who thought out of sight, out of mind, and they were <laughs> they would all he would be photographing them with women who weren't weren't their wives and things like and people in pawn shops and things like that, compromising situations. But the best one was uh, King Farouk was living there. You know, this, the, the morbidly obese. Uh, yeah. King of somewhere in the Middle East, I can't remember where. But anyway, he's the kind of exile king, you know, uh, surrounded by hookers and food, you know, and, uh, and he had this uh, permanent bodyguard with him. And, uh, and he, sne- he sneaked round this bodyguard and took a picture of King Farouk. And then he realised that this bodyguard was there. King Farouk got him round the throat, started throttling the hell out of him. And that's when he realised that this bodyguard was there to stop King Farouk <laughs> murdering people. You <laughs> would have been papped. You were... Papped, that's exactly... Papped, that's yeah. where it got. That's where, yeah. it, that's where it started, the paparazzi. Is it Elio Sorci? Yeah, it might be. Was that the man? That it might be, yeah. But he invested in a, you know, a brownie camera and then sold them to the scurrilous gossip press, you know, the scandal <sighs> yeah. rags, and uh, oh, made a good oh. living out of it. Yeah, have you ever been papped, John? Uh, no, no, my life is an open book. I, I've, I've led a blameless existence. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, Adam, have you, have you faced the flashing lights of a gaggle of photographers? <laughs> well, we, hey, were to, we go to a Halloween party, fancy Halloween party, because my other half's uh, sort of much fancier than me. And, uh, and there's, there's always photographers, you know, taking pictures of the celebrities as they, sure, as yeah, they yeah, go yeah, in. Yeah. And, uh, 
and you know we we always make the effort and dress in great big costumes, uh, and we're sort of quite competitive between ourselves about who's going to dress better. And every single year for the last decade, he's got into a paper, and I've been cropped out at, the, <laughs> at my hand holding onto his. <laughs> You've got so, the the elbow or something. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, my my right hands had a bit of action, but other than that, no. And what I loved about um, your pitch, Adam, and indeed the the sound of this Sidaris book is, you know, it's sort of very seasonal and the perfect sort of Christmas gift. It sounds like, but you know, diarists are, it, are just, they're just so enjoyable to read and you can sort of pick those collections up and just read a little if you haven't got much time or just before you go to bed and you can sort of have a laugh and get a whole anecdote and story exactly. just in a couple of minutes. Snackable, snackable yeah. For, yeah. The, for idiots like me who just sort of read Twitter. And also poems are great because they're nice and nice and short. There. You can do that Certainly with poetry, can. yes, you can. Better if you do it that way, actually. Isn't I mostly it? read in bed and it's like when you're sort, <clears> of, you're sort of, you think you've got another 15 minutes of awaking you and you turn the next chapter and you're sort of flicking through to see how long it's going <laughs> yeah, to be because you want right. to commit to 80 pages. Yeah. I don't like to read an, one poem after another. No, I don't, I don't know. No, I need to read uh, the, the one I'm concentrating on that's and right. then just well, let it... Well, your poor audiences at these shows. <laughs> yeah, after yeah, poem yeah, one, you're like, you, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, rat, tat, 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 tat. <laughs> Off you yeah, go to yeah. the bar. Are you, all this? <laughs> Are you getting all this? Hopefully not. I'll be back next year. <laughs> As is the rules of, of the book off, I do have to I do have to choose a book to, to take home on behalf of our audience. But um, as I say, every bloody time... I, I like the sound of both of these books and I'll probably go and explore them. Um, La Dolce Vita Confidential sounds fascinating, actually. And also, the, Sean Levy as, a, as an author, he's, so he's got quite a few of these yeah, confidentials got, under his belt. He, he did one about swing in London, you know, the 60s yeah, in London. The, yeah, be, yeah. the best thing I've ever, I've ever read about it, it's, but it, because it's, from a, it's by an American, you know, with that distance. Yes, of looking course. Looking at it as yeah. the, so, you know, a social phenomenon. But it, it, but it does go zeroing in. Terrific chapter about Terence Stamp in it called Tugboat Terry. So he knows all about <laughs> their backgrounds, you know. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. Terence Stamp's dad was a tugboat skipper. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, he's a proper blue-collar guy, Terry. Adam, with yours, I, I just I love David Sedaris. I haven't read Holidays on Ice. And this sort of time of year, I'm thinking about what's that gift I can give to someone, and I love the the anecdotes within it. And I loved how you sold it with, with the readings and everything. So um, I'm going to take David Sedaris home. Yes! I'm going to take David. Did it. I hope you don't mind, John. I hope Not you forgive bit. me Not for that. Not a bit. No, you're uh, you <laughs> the, old, the, ca- the microphone isn't picking up the fury on your face. <laughs> <laughs> the throwing around of electrical equipment. What's that he's got in his hand? I don't know. <laughs> they teach you believability at medical college. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. He's used to delivering these sorts of messages. Adam, is there a another book do you think coming are you sort of ready to, to write something else or are you enjoying yeah, um, this sort of depends who's asking if, of course it's my publishers I'm, well, I've written half of it already um, I'm doing uh, I say I'm not I try not to be a David Sedaris tribute act my next book is a uh, is a book of medical stories uh, at Christmas called uh, called Twas the Night Shift Before Christmas, <laughs> uh, which is just sort of talking about the sort of the hilarity and the heartbreak and everything that happens because you know, where I worked on the labor ward, you know, babies don't care if they're born on Christmas Day or the no. 25th of March. Like Jesus, famously. Um, uh, oh, he was born was on the 25th of December. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, that's my, that's my next thing. And until that, I guess I'm just pottering around the, the, the country, you know. Treading, treading, treading the, boards. the boards, yeah, and obviously yeah, finishing the book, Adam. Adam. 
if the publisher's listening. Obviously. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, no, writing, that's, no, that's writing, pretty much done. Yeah, that's in yeah, the bag. Morning till night. <laughs> yeah. And, John, will, will we be waiting another 30 years for, uh, for, the next, for a new uh, collection? For the next of verse. Uh, who knows? But uh, <laughs> hopefully, I've got, I could bring out another one that size tomorrow. Well, like you said... Poetry, I got it. <laughs> you got it. But, uh, you certainly uh, have. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're looking forward to seeing you at the Palladium. Fabulous. As you said, the end of this month. Yeah. And uh, more touring, I guess, around oh, the country. All the way. As well. At the Palladium, will you do the Hanging Gardens of Basil? I certainly will. That's Thanks my for the favourite of yours. Yes, That's my I've just favorite. done it on the Robert Elms show Have this you? morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of my favourites. That I love that. Uh, John Cooper Clark's The Luckiest Guy Alive is published by Picador and is out now. So go and add it to your collection, ladies and gents. And Adam Kay's This Is Going To Hurt is published by Pam McMillan and available in paperback now. And go and see both of these gentlemen live. Adam is at uh, the Hammersmith Apollo on the 18th of November. John Cooper Clark at the Palladium on the 24th. 24th, yeah. Excellent. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you for bringing your books to the book off. And happy Christmas. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.